Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. Do you make food? Then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Business Chef Podcast with me, Chef Sean Boucher, joining you for another exciting installment of Making Food and Making Money, which is what we do. You know, a lot of changes have happened over the, the last couple of years in regards to menus and the information that we show on those menus. What information do we have to show? That's a big question to a lot of people. Do I have to do it if I'm one location or if I'm a dozen locations? Well, we have a couple of people here today who know a little bit about menus and menu analyzing. From the company Menu Analytics, we have Lisa and Randy who are here to talk about their experiences, but to give us some insights and to help us understand the whys behind the menu labeling and the information that we need to show out there. Because at the end of the day, our guests want to know what they're eating. So without further ado, let's learn a little bit about Randy and Lisa. My story is a pretty simple one. I uh, came to North Carolina State University as a freshman back in 1978, and I needed a job uh, to help make ends meet, and I got a job with the campus food service department. And I uh, worked in a variety of roles uh, at NC State uh, for 36 years, ending up being Senior Director of Hospitality Services uh, and Along the way, I learned a lot about uh, food services and learned about restaurants and learned about uh, nutrition and food transparency and decided to start a company to uh, uh, help pioneer some of the efforts in food transparency. Awesome. So, Lisa, how, how about you? How did you get started in this business? Well, I'm a registered dietitian and I always loved food. I did a lot of work in food service at first, and then I went into more clinical side. But after a while, I too got a job at North Carolina State University and helped them look at their food service and how they could improve their nutrition and wellness programs. But my major focus was making food completely transparent. So every item on the menu was analyzed down to the ingredient level so that everyone had access to what was in the food. And that was quite innovative. And I started, I talked to Randy about the company and we decided we'd help other restaurants and college food services and senior living and anyone else um, go down that same path. And we did it because people asked us to help them. And we ended up starting a business, helping restaurants especially and college university food services become more transparent. So let's talk a little bit about your business and and kind of, um, the, the evolution of that. So, uh, you kind of got things up and going, um, who were some of your first clients and who are you working with nowadays? Um, I guess our first client was really North Carolina state university doing the work for them. 
But then we took the, as we started menu analytics, we took the things that we had learned in analyzing the foods that we had, and we started doing work for some others. We do the nutrition work for Golden Corral. We do work for Hot Dotty Burger Bar, Duck Donuts, uh, Flying Biscuit Cafe, uh, just to name a few. So I think there's there's going to be people out there who are wondering, okay, so menu analytics, what does that mean? I mean, what what exactly is it? Is it nutritional info solely? Is it um, compositions of things? Talk about kind of the nitty gritty of, of what it is that you do and kind of the need for it. Our major focus at first was analyzing restaurant menus because of the, the menu labeling law. And restaurants are kind of scrambling to put up the calories and not really knowing how to do that and not having the bandwidth within their companies to do it or the expertise. And so that was our bread and butter at first. Here's our, they get, here's our recipes, can you analyze these? Then we also give advice on how to make something a little healthier if it turns out to be ridiculously high in calories. Although some restaurants don't care about that. They're kind of happy with the high calories. Um, and then also looking at how to make their labels cleaner. So a company, a really big company might look at their menu holistically. Like what do we have for a vegan that came in here? What do we have for vegetarians? What do we have if someone is halal? What do we have if someone's allergic to peanuts? And that kind of expertise. So, okay, I'm going to step back into kind of an operations role here for a second. And I'm, I'm a chef, I'm an operator, I'm somebody who has, I don't know, one or two locations and, uh, and says, okay, this menu labeling law came out and, you know, I've, I've got to do something with it. Um, or do I? Because I think a lot of the questions I get when it comes to this, this menu labeling law um, is like, what is my, what is, what is, what do I have to do? Like it, do I have to do something if I'm, you know, 10 locations or do I have to do something if I'm one location? Uh, I think there's a lot of, a lot of misconceptions and a lot of kind of, I don't know, challenges out there, misinformation about what, what needs to happen and who needs to do what. So, you know, say I'm a, say I'm a single unit, what do I have to do? And then maybe there's a multi-unit operator out there who's listening, you know, what do they have to do? Is it the same? Is it different? Maybe talk about some of those things. The menu labeling law that the FTA uh, issued back in uh, May of uh, 2017, I think it was, uh, requires all food service units that have 20 or more of the same unit, be it a restaurant, be it uh, a coffee shop, a movie theater, a convenience store. If you've got 20 units offering a really similar menu or operating under the same name, then you're required to post your calories on the menu boards at the point of order, and you are required to have complete nutrition data available for your customers on demand. If you have less than 20 units, you are not obligated to do that. But what we found is that people, that food service operators fall into really three categories. 
for the really large food service operations, you know, your, your big chain uh, QSR kind of units. They have uh, a standard which they have achieved and are distributing across the country or globally, and they provide information that's on a really tightly uh, managed uh, group of ingredients and products that are on their menu. On the far other end, you have uh, an operator that may have one unit or two units that stays very much uh, with a rotating menu and deciding uh, this morning what they may uh, be serving this evening. And they're not required to comply with uh, menu labeling. Um, and they have flexibility and freedom to, to serve uh, as they please. People in the middle uh, are a really interesting group in that uh, as they approach 20 units and they're growing their franchise, uh, for example, and, and trying to do things very professionally, they're really in touch with customer uh, demands and customer inquiries. And what we see are that today's food service customer has a lot more specific needs than they did uh, many years ago. Uh, besides uh, those who are aware of the eight major allergens that are in food, they have questions about uh, what the ingredients are for unique kind of uh, needs. And they wanna know where these, uh, what these foods are gonna do for them. And they're monitoring uh, calorie counts and they wanna know uh, how this food that they're consuming is gonna fit into the diet or lifestyle that they're trying to live. And I think that's really important now for those you know, seven to 18 um, unit franchises, they know they're gonna have to do it eventually and getting to work on that is really important, especially earlier. If you look at everybody's FAQ on their website, one of the questions is, do you have nutrition information? And to really move into a place where anyone can eat at your establishment, you need to have that nutrition information, whether it's for allergies or vegan or vegetarian or whatever the nutritional need is. Operators are saying, yeah, that does give me a little bit of a leg up. Besides the fact that your servers and chefs are going to be constantly asked, what's in this, what's in this? And that puts you at a little risk if you let people just go ahead and tell them what's in the food when they have no idea actually what's in the food. The chef generally does, but many times the server is not exactly sure if this contains gluten or does not or how many calories is in this. So it gives you a more professional, grown-up, restaurant chain look when you have that information for your guests and your guests are asking every day. Well, I think that's a great point to, to point out because I think with the menu labeling law, I know that as an operator myself, a lot of, a lot of the people that I interacted with and was talking to about this kind of saw this as, Oh geez, this is just another thing that we have to do. Um, you know, people don't really care. But what we're seeing nowadays with with the rise of education when it comes to food, you know, customers know, they know a lot more about food nowadays than they did back in the day. You know, 20, 25 years ago when I got in this business, it was very much, I always like to say the Wizard of Oz, you know, kind of what what was behind this, the scenes didn't matter as much. You know, the food came out, it looked nice, it tasted good. Okay, that's great. But now 
we're in this Instagram culture where we want to take pictures of everything. And so it's got to be incredibly beautiful and picturesque. But then we also want to know, is it good for us? Um, is it organic? Is it single origin? Like, you know, there's there's a different level of, of expectation nowadays than maybe there was back then. So from the time that you, you've you started out to maybe now, what are some of the different changes uh, that you've seen or or wants that customers are asking for you know what do what are people wanting to see when it comes to menu and nutrition analysis what are the things that your customers are asking for uh, we started out just doing nutrition analysis but our customers are almost 100 percent asking for allergens because they get asked that every day what are the allergens in this does it contain wheat gluten soy shellfish that that's front of mind for a lot of consumers. You know, if you have one person in your family that has a peanut allergy, if you can't go there and know that there are no peanuts in that food that the, that the child wants to order, the person wants to order, you can't eat there. And you, um, Randy calls it the veto factor. You don't want someone in the car that says, I can't eat there. Whether it's vegan, gluten-free, whatever it is that people have for their special dietary need. And I think restaurants are really aware of that. They want to make sure they have something for everybody and that there's not someone in that car that's going to veto going to that particular restaurant. Yeah. And, and even within that, there's a spectrum of, you know, as an individual operator, you can make a choice of whether or not you're going to cater to people who have a certain food need. But there's also segments of food service operators that have a duty or an obligation. Like if you have uh, at, at a university, for example, we saw students coming in who had a number of food allergies and special dietary needs and they're accepted at the school and the school has a responsibility to serve those students in a way that's inclusive and takes care of their needs and helps them be successful students. And so you'll see that in senior living and college and university, K-12 uh, operators, where you don't have a choice. As, as your customer base is coming to you with these needs, you have to figure out how you're gonna meet those needs. And it can't be, it can't be a guess all the time. Uh, you, know, you have to have a plan and you have to manage your ingredients. But it's, once you get on the path of being able to do that, you'll find that you can eliminate barriers to success in serving a broader group of people just by having the information available to say, here's the ingredient list. If you're allergic to mangoes, maybe most people are not allergic to mangoes, but for the person who's really allergic, it's very important to them that they are able to know if the dish they want to order contains mangoes. Yeah, and I think senior living is where college and university was 10 years ago. People come into senior living with a certain expectation, especially the very high-end senior living, that you're going to be able to meet their needs. And so the transparency in that sector um, has really started to catch on, that people have a certain expectation. Same with B&I. Those students that we trained at NC State that had complete transparency of their menu for the last 12 years, they go into a really nice big software company and they want to know exactly what's in their food, just like when you in college. And that's their customer. And it's also the restaurant's customer. So they're going to go to your restaurant and say, hey, so what's in this? And they need to know exactly what's in it. Or they, their expectation is that you'll know exactly what's in it. But there are some 
positive business sides to this. Once you get your menu analyzed, you find out all sorts of things like, is that recipe actually accurate? Because I can tell from a nutritional perspective if the portion size and the nutrition information matches up with what I think they think they're serving. And if it's not, then there's something wrong with that recipe. And you can tweak that recipe and cost that recipe more effectively. And we did that at NC State and it saved us some money. Yeah, it was a significant uh, unexpected benefit. We did not do it as a uh, food cost control measure, but we did find that as we that I would look, for example, at a recipe and look at the what I expected the cost to be and would think, oh, that looks that looks reasonable. Uh, but a registered dietitian can look at a recipe at the nutritional data and use that as a marker for accuracy on yield and volumes and measures within the recipe. And once you get those things correct, all of a sudden uh, your ingredient costs become really accurate and then you can set accurate pricing and your margins become healthy. Uh, so there's a, a real benefit for that. Um, well, I, was, I, I think you make some, some incredible points there, especially for operators, because I think there's a lot of people out there that, again, they see this as a have to and they don't realize, man, there are a lot of ancillary benefits that come from doing this. Um, and, you know, you made the point about, colleges, universities, senior dining, there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, instances where there is a, a larger liability issue when it comes to not knowing this information. But at the end of the day, with a more educated food culture and, uh, and a, a group of people that are up and coming, uh, this, this millennial generation that has access to all this information and wants to know and needs to know and and, you know, all these things are, are just becoming kind of the perfect storm of the better, the better job that we do in every sector, uh, regardless of whether or not we're quote unquote required to, the better operators we become and the more healthy we make our industry. So my, I guess my question to you now is obviously you guys have done this for a few years. You've, you've seen a lot, you've worked with a lot of different people. What are some of the challenges that you see um, that, that people, you know, what, what is it that keeps them from doing this? Because, you know, to some of us that have had to go through it, it's, it's time consuming and it, it does have those benefits of being able to have more accurate recipes and things like that. But it, man, it is kind of, kind of a drawn out process that does take a while, but what are some of the, some of the things that you're seeing that are keeping people from doing this? Well, number one is they think it's going to cost a lot of money and, it can, but there are some cost-effective ways to do it. I think we're super cost-effective. Another thing is sometimes they try to do it themselves. And we've seen some really costly errors in trying to do it yourself. Producing menu boards with inaccurate calories, because just like you said, the customer knows. And they're going to look at that and say, that is completely inaccurate. And so they have to take down all 27 menu boards they just had printed. And that has happened more than once in our um experience. So finding somebody that really knows what they're doing, it can be done quickly and cost effectively. If you don't know what you're doing, it's really laborious. The other thing that that kind of stymies the restaurant industry is they don't really have standardized recipes. They don't really have standard ingredients that they're asking their, if they have a lot of units to pull from the same ingredients um, or same prime vendor. 
And some of that is a little bit hard to manage, especially if you're going to mark allergens and give everyone a complete ingredient list. Um, but I think many times people have tried to do it themselves and it is really, really hard. But I think if you have some good partners, it can become a much easier task. And that's why we kept being asked by the restaurant industry and other um, places to help them because they want to know the steps and how to do it. And I think um, that you need a partner to help you do it. Just like if you were going to do any in-depth thing, like in-depth financial analysis or in-depth um, IT work in your restaurant, you need somebody that actually knows what they're doing because it's really hard to do it yourself. Yeah, and, and to help make it easier for you. You know, I, I think one of the one of the key factors is uh, kind of a focus on a standard and picking a product or a list of products uh, for the ingredients that you're going to use and kind of sticking with that. And as you get going, you'll find that you can manage at the ingredient level and solve a lot of problems in, in your menu. We did some work recently for a group that was concerned about MSG. They were having questions about MSG still in the uh, items that they had. And there was one uh, barbecue seasoning that they were using that contributed in 51 of their recipes, whereas if they changed that seasoning to one which didn't contain MSG, they would clean up 51 recipes and make them free of that. And, you know, you can change a barbecue sauce to gluten-free, and all of a sudden that makes uh, a lot of things uh, not contain gluten anymore. So managing things at the ingredient level is kind of a second phase of it, but making it easy at the beginning to say, well, let's document what our recipes are, let's get the weights and measures correct. It's not an extremely difficult process. Uh, it's just if, if you're trying to do that in the middle of running a restaurant on a busy Tuesday night with 300 covers, that's when it's really hard. And, and you need help to, to make it easier for you. Oh man, you are, you are preaching to the choir on that. I tell you, it's, it's one of those things that you just, you just don't know what you don't know. And you think, well, I'm not going to spend the time or the money to do this because I can do this myself. I'll, I'll go online and find a free software, you know, or something, but really what is the time? What is the value of your time? And, and really, the, the nice thing about having professionals help you with something like this is that they know what they're doing. You know, you're not having to spend the time to learn how to do it. And then in addition to that, having to, having to actually do it. So in my mind, it is always, it's always the best option to have aces in their places, have people who know what they're doing do what they do best and you're going to end up saving a lot of time and money in the long run. So with that said, what, if someone hears this and they think, man, you know, I need to get this done or I, I want to know more about this. What's the best way to find out more about what it is that you guys do and the value that you bring to the table? Well, they can go to menuanalytics.com, which is our website. But I want to caution people when they look. There, there are a few other companies that do this, and they all do a good job. But one of the things that we've run into with companies that have switched to us is we actually have a registered dietitian, me, who looks at every single recipe and becomes your partner from now on. 
So if they come back to me and say, hey, Lisa, if we change this, it'll make it better. And I, it's a phone call. It's like a no charge thing. Sure, let's change that ingredient. Two clicks on the mouse and we're done. It's a partnership. You have to make sure that you have a partnership and make sure they know what they're doing because analyzing recipes is part art and part science. And the dietitian or whoever that does it needs to know nutrition really well and needs to know culinary skills really well, food really well. How do you cook that? What's the loss? Do you pour off that marinade? What happens when you um, smoke something? And so you can get the best possible nutrition analysis the first pass. And if you have to explain all your culinary techniques to a person that doesn't really understand the culinary side, it's going to take too much time. I think I've analyzed probably 20,000 recipes or more. And so I have a, a real good idea of how things work in restaurants and in food service and what's going to work and how is it really going to be cooked and what's going to be the problematic parts of, the, of this recipe and what do I need to do to make this accurate. And I think that's really important. So they need to ask a lot of questions before they hire somebody. Like, are you a partner for life? Can we come back to you and ask questions? Um, do you have a registered dietitian? Because if they don't, I would look a little askance at that because that's the person that can actually do this. And does that dietitian have food service experience, experience in the culinary side? And those are the things I would ask and make sure that they ask those questions so that they get the best bang for their buck. And you should only have to do this one time and then just do the tweaks to your menu as it happens. It shouldn't be a a seven pass thing that you have to keep going back and looking at it again because you found errors in it. It should be pretty darn accurate and it should be done pretty quickly. For us, for a typical res restaurant, it takes us, if we have all the recipes and the ingredients, it takes us about a week. So it's not a long turnaround time. We just need the data. Yeah, the data has to be accurate going in. And then once you kind of have it set, you know, everyone changes their menus and everyone will change the products they use from time to time. And having a partner that is managing that data for you to make it easier for the operator is important. You know, the consumer is going to benefit from having the information, but we're really focused on making it easy for the operator to help them be successful. Yeah, I think every operator we work with would give you that feedback is that we were easy to work with and we knew we understood the food service industry. We understood what they were trying to achieve. Well, I, you know, and I, I just want to say that I 100% agree with that because it's kind of like, you know, a big reason that we even got started with the podcast was to kind of bridge the gap between making food and making money. We want to, we want to have, we want to have chefs that are artists that are incredibly passionate about food and know, know what they're doing, but they also need to make a sustainable business. They need to be able to make money doing it. And, you know, I agree with you a hundred percent on the fact that you have to have that marriage of the art and the science on the, uh, on the nutrition end of things, because there are a lot of, of RDs out there who maybe don't have a lot of operational experience and don't understand the culinary side to your point. And that does, it does create a little bit of a challenge. So to have both an operations understanding as well as the nutrition and the science behind it really, really does make such a huge difference. Um, with that said, you know, obviously you guys have worked with a lot of different play players in the, the industry and you see things that work and that maybe don't work so well or don't work at all. 
I think we all have. Um, you know, what are some of the, the characteristics or some of the things that you see working with these different companies and, and people in the industry? What are the things that set the really good people apart? What are they doing to really thrive in this business? And what are the people that are maybe just kind of not doing so hot? What could they improve on? Well, from my view, the people who are being really successful have a plan that they're trying to follow. You know, they've got some recipes, they've got some operational standards, they do training of the staff from those standards, of the, you know, about those standards. Uh, the people that I see get in trouble more are the ones who are kind of flying by the seat of their pants. Um, and it's important to have creativity and to have flexibility, and that needs, if that's a part of your plan, that's important, but it has to be done the right way always. So uh, we see people more successful when they, they kind of have some markers on the path that they're trying to follow. That says, you know, we're going to wide lanes with high curbs. Yeah. I think that creativity is great. And you know, the menu labeling law, if it's a special, you don't have to have it analyzed. You can still have some lots of creativity within your establishment, but most people have a printed menu or an idea of what they're going to serve. And those things need to be standardized because how else can you set a price, figure out what your labor is going to be all sorts of, different parameters that most chefs and managers think about a lot. And the nutritional parameters would go in there too, like what ingredients are you going to use, how much you're going to use, what's the portion size going to be. And once that's standard, um, you'll actually have make more money, which is the whole goal is to serve a beautiful dish that your customer is going to love, but you have to make a living. Well, she's, she's definitely right. Randy and Lisa, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you being here and educating us on, on our options and the different things that we have to work with. Guys, if you haven't had your menu analyzed, it's probably a good thing to do. You are going to have some insights and things that you never would have otherwise. Go check them out. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org.